Happy New Year-ish. Getting there. We were just singing about the second Advent. The second time that we experienced Jesus Christ. And we just got through enjoying the first Advent when Christ came to be with us and live with us and die with us and live again with us. And so our attention is indeed on Christ, on his presence. Um, Thinking about Christmas, I just want to uh, encourage us, um, uh, a housekeeping note. Uh, See all these beautiful uh, Christmas decorations? (laughs) Okay, good, done. Um, We probably won't leave them up all year. Uh, For one thing, there's Arbor Day, and you'd have to celebrate Arbor Day. So yeah, so um, uh, this Saturday, uh, somebody brave will get up on a high ladder and help take those things down. So if you're brave, this is the place for you, Saturday. Are you brave? Nice. One brave person, Matthias. All right. Um, we're going to uh, need some help on Saturday. And so what time do you think we'll start? 10 to 12. All right, very good. All right, that's going on. And I have some good advice for you. Don't go anywhere this afternoon and evening. Just stay home. People are going to be crazy. We've got a football game in town and people are going to drink. Then at 5 o'clock they're going to drink. At 9 o'clock they're going to drink and then they're going to come home and drink. And so my best advice is that you stay home and out of harm's way. So uh, if you have to party, invite everybody to your house. That's what I would say. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And have sleeping bags for everyone. That's right. All right. Well, Father, thank you so much. Thank you for how you have um, been with us. Your Advent, not only is the first Advent amazing, and not only will be the second Advent, but Father, you have come on an individual basis into our lives to live and, and do life with us, journey with us, to protect us and console us and to invite us into your purposes. And so we celebrate you, Jesus Christ. We celebrate you, Holy Spirit. Father, we glorify you. We pray uh, that as we enter into this flipping of the calendar day, this symbolic event that we take notice of, we pray, Father, that um, this next year, this next day will be filled with our awareness of your advent. So we trust you in these things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I, want to, I wanted to kind of uh, just uh, talk a little bit about New Year's Day since it does fall right here in 2023 and 2024. sort of made sense uh, to do that. And I've been chit-chatting with some people in the congregation over the last several months about things that we wish were different. And there's two kinds of things that we wish were different. There are the kind of things that we, th- that we wish were different that uh, we really uh, can't do anything about. 
And then there's the things that we wish were different that we can do something about. That sort of makes sense, right? That's fairly obvious. There are things that we can't do anything about and some things that we can do. We still have uh, a, a sense of regret or discomfort or dissatisfaction because we, we wish they were different. It's things we wish were different. And some of them we can do something about, some of them that they, we can't. It's, it's best that we know the difference because the, the world would have you spend a lot of money trying to fix things that can't be fixed. They would love to have you do that. And it seems like we spend a fair amount of time and energy and worry and all kinds of stuff thinking about things that really are done. They're past tense at this point, or they are beyond our fixing. And so we spend a lot of time on that, worrying about that, thinking about how we might fix something that can't be changed or fixed. So that's not probably good practice. I think we would find ourselves uh, inordinately worrying about things we ought not to worry about. So that's, that's a problem. For instance, some of the things we have are regrets about decisions I made in the past. And I, I can't fix those. For, one, uh, for me, uh, I wish I still had my 1956 Volkswagen uh, that I first drove when I was a kid. Uh, for one thing... I think it would be more valuable than it was then. I think we sold it for a hundred bucks. And my guess is now it's worth more. And uh, besides, I kind of liked my 1956 Volkswagen. I wish I had kept up with my French language. Kind of wish I had kept up with that. I wish I had kept up with my drama. Done more with that. I I wish I had kept up with some of my competitive running in college and after that. Some things I wish were different. Uh, I wish I were taller. I wish I had more hair. I wish I were taller and had more hair. I wish I bought... Does your grandpa need more hair? He does. (laughs) Okay, everybody who needs more hair, stand up now. Tim, you didn't stand up. Um, <laughs> yeah, right? All right. Um, and I kind of wish I'd bought Apple in 1977. So things, things that we wish were different. Um, but there's some really big things that I think kind of fall. In the, we're, we'll, we'll talk more about this later. But there's some things that fall in the category that Oftentimes we think to ourselves, well, we can't really make a difference about that. There's things like war and poverty and illiteracy and, and uh, injustice and, and uh, the sadnesses of hunger and disease. Um, we, we think to ourselves, you know what, I, th- those, are, those are big global issues and I can't really impact those. We need to talk about that a little bit though because um, that sense of despair and hopelessness There's a way of addressing that, these big, global, deep, dark hurts of humanity. There is a way of addressing those big, deep, dark hurts that we ought to not lose sight of. Remembering, though, that Jesus said, you will always have the poor. And in that, the poor in spirit, the poor in heart, the poor in finances, the poor in physical frame. We we are a humanity that will always need our God. In and of ourselves, we are poor 
in Christ we are rich. So we will always have the poor. And then we think these things are true. The sense, I think that the world uses this sense of uh, things that we wish were different. The world uses this uh, to make money off of you. They use that disquietness and then they market something to make you think that by buying this product or investing in it will somehow address this deep inner need that you have for things that you wish were different. And so they are tricking us out of our money by the hundreds of billions of dollars, helping us think that, well, if we just had a new car or a different shape in my body or some other kind of attachment to my life that I would somehow be happier because it would address this, this static need in my life. And, um, and so they're getting wealthy of us, off of us because we've not really taken a look at the things that we wish were different and how to get after them, uh, recognizing that some won't get different and some of them can change. I think one of the places where we feel the loss most directly is when we have things that we wish were different in relationships. Right? I think, that's, uh, I think that seems to be the place where we really live, is in these relationships, and when things go sideways in a relationship, we reflect on that and live in that and wish it were different. And we imagine things that maybe could make it help, help make it, and so we invest in those, and when then those things, those relationships don't improve or change or become more intimate, then we begin to feel helpless. We, get, we begin to perhaps feel some guilt or shame in all of that. There are things in relationships, we can kind of phrase it this way, there are things um, that I have said, uh, things that I wish I would have said, then there are the things that I wish that I hadn't said. And then there were the things that I wish I had said differently. I actually, I did want to say that, but I could have said it in a more compassionate manner or with better timing. And so we think back, I don't know, do you sometimes play over conversations kind of over and over again in your mind? You kind of think about what you said and you think about, oh, I wish I'd have said that different. I think I'd have said it with a different tone in my voice, or I wish I'd have listened a little longer before I said that. I feel embarrassed now. So we can see that um, moving forward, we, of course, can be a little bit more mindful in our conversations. But looking backwards, we can see that we, we can't take those words back. We can say, I'm sorry for those words. I meant to say them better. But maybe you found it to be true that kind of once those words are out, that it's the impression, the impact has been made. And so we can't really get that back. Sometimes over time we can earn the trust and later we can kind of laugh about what a knucklehead I was when I said that. But oftentimes uh, we simply live in that moment of regret. And so it's all really important. There are things that we wish were different. So today, with that in mind, I started thinking about 
um, 2023, 2024, and the things that we wish were different, and the things that have been hard. And I think um, about our little church and what we've been through in 2023. And uh, it's been very difficult for some of us. There's been great joy, but there's also been um, terrible loss. And I think that by reflecting on those things, uh, it's not that we give the things that hurt us, or that we feel loss about. We're not giving them power. We're acknowledging them, finding ways to acknowledge them and grieve over them and to live into each other's lives in times of loss and in times of hurt times of celebration as well. So I want to just kind of go through and mark our time a little bit this year because it started out rough in 2023. Uh, on January 2nd, our beloved pastor preached his last sermon. And that wasn't very nice. And, uh, and, uh, and we, have, we have guys sitting in the back, but... We have missed his presence and his comfort and his truth from up front. And we knew that we would, right? Right from the get-go, we knew that that was going to be um, a loss for us. And so that kind of started out the year with a little bit of a harbinger, harbinger of, of concern, right? Wow, what's this year going to hold, right? Wow, what does this all mean to us? And then... Uh, the year uh, continued to have some loss associated with it. A little bit later in the summer, uh, Justin, our youth pastor, resigned. Now uh, Carrie has uh, another job, and uh, we're looking for that administrative assistant answer. And so uh, among the staff, there's been a fair amount of loss. And we recognize that as staff kind of day by day. Uh, week by week, we have people we miss and, and information we don't have, sense of loss. And there's been a loss and trial here in our congregation. We lost Rick Baldacci and Bob Skye. Now this past week, our dear friend Lee Richmond. And so our Cares go out to Ellen and Carolyn and Jill and the rest of the families, right? What a, what a very palpable loss. And this one's so current, so now. We hardly know how to respond. I talked to Jill this week, and um, we talked and cried and prayed. And I noted that um, I think... My, one of my greatest cheerleaders was Lee, who sits there. And, um, and he would look at me and nod at me. And as soon as the sermon was over, he was in my face saying, I don't think you said that right. Or I really like what you said. And, um, and inviting himself and me into a deeper conversation, kind of like right now. He was an imminent guy, and you felt his presence moment by moment. And so we miss Lee, we miss Rick, this large, large man, Bob, so, so long uh, a member of our church, extended family. So these are powerful losses in the life of our church. Greg and Dixie are here this morning. They lost their son, Kevin, this year. 
We're still getting our heads wrapped around that. Greg's sister also during the summer passed away. Art Spano passed away. Cheryl Johnson's father, Dell, passed away. Uh, I was talking with Kim, and she made mention that her grandma passed away during Advent, and another member of her extended family took his life this Advent, just uh, a little before Christmas. Um, the Becklers have experienced an unusual amount of loss. Their dear friend, uh, Nate, in Portugal, was killed in a kind of freakish uh, wave, uh, ocean wave thing that took uh, his life. Uh, more recently, Eileen's sister's son, uh, their nephew, was killed in a, uh, a traffic accident. Um, loss, incredible loss for us. Mary Mitchell, uh, Bridget Nochi, Jan Demblecker, all have been struggling with cancer. And that's no small deal. There's a sense of loss in that. There's a fight in that, but there's a sense of loss in that and hurt and disappointment and things that we wish were different as you work through those. And I want to say, as I start to work through these, uh, I, I know I can't speak to all of the hurt in the room. Um, I will miss some hurt. I... I thought of people and relationships and circumstances um, of your lives that I'm aware of that uh, kind of wouldn't be appropriate. Some of these are, are somewhat secret prayers. But I know of the hurt that, uh, that you are going through in many ways and much of the hurt I don't know anything about. What I know is there is hurt and loss. And so, better that we acknowledge it and that we know that it exists in each other so that we can be the family we always intended to be for each other. That we not lose sight of what people are going through in their lives, what even has happened in 2023. And of course, uh, the loss of a loved one, five years, 10 years, 15 years, doesn't really matter as soon as you start experiencing the holidays, the freshness of that wound comes to the top. So I invite you into a, a season of remembering for each other and bringing consolation and hope into each other's life, imagining that the person that's in front of you has some hurt and loss in their life. Whatever image you might have of them, um, there's more behind that. And we can invest in that. So, that's how we make things that don't seem to be able to make any, that we can't change by investing in them and loving them. It changes things. And of course, 2023, we had our blessings as well. Um, I kind of feel like I was right behind Guy. I got, I'm, I'm like a week away from my one-year anniversary. Isn't that crazy? And Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and all the... Uh, and I don't know, it kind of... It, it's been a long year except for the parts of it that went really fast. Um, because it's 2024? Wait. 
So uh, this year with you has been a blessing for Susan and I, and um, we are we are grateful for how you have invited us into your lives and, and trusted us and ministered to us in prayer and been watchful for us and kind. And so we are uh, the first to be blessed in 2023. So thank you for that. Um, but there's been more blessings that we have in front of us because there is this circle of life uh, in Christ that we experience and enjoy. Uh, the Becklers had more than their fair share of grief, but they also had more than their fair share of some kind of neat things that happened. Uh, Emma got married to Kevin. Where are you guys? There you are, way in the back. Evan got uh, married to Kevin uh, back in July. Uh, Mary Beth had a little baby, right? Uh, I have the name in here somewhere. Micah, exact, thanks for remembering, Grandma. <laughs> Grandpa, you should have come in first. Um, uh, their eldest son, uh, Justin, Josiah, that's what I said, uh, got engaged. So that's exciting. And uh, a marriage, a baby, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty good. For one year, marriage, a baby, and an engagement. Pretty fun. We had um, Jim and Ellen's daughter, Kara, uh, as twice blessed with uh, Marin and Emmett. Is that right? Did I say it right? And the McCaslins, we're going to have to have a new subdivision built for those guys. <laughs> we got Collins McCaslin and Stevie McCaslin, born... This summer, congratulations to go with the rest of the brood. And um, all of that, of course, uh, Toby and Toby uh, Granito and Maggie Veers got married this summer. No small joy. You know, grow up in the church. You know what? That's kind of fun, right? That story is a fun story because you, you grow up as uh, kids in the church and you fall in love as kids in the church and then you get married. Wait, what? that's great. It's a good thing this church exists. That poor, that poor family. Uh, Toby would have never gotten married, probably. <laughs> Is this being recorded? So look at all the blessings and the joys and the things that we experience together by doing life. And it, it just makes me um, so grateful for Christ, His Spirit, his design for the body of Christ that we might live in community and carry burdens for one another and celebrate with one another, that we might bleed when you're cut and laugh and enjoy life when you win the lottery, that my joy is equal to your joy and my sadness is equal to your sadness. So we have all of that to celebrate in 2023. And we will be better if we grieve well with each other and if we celebrate well with each other. And you know what? We, we can't do that if we live in isolation and we don't let our stories out to help encourage one another. So I know some of us are very, very private, and that's understandable. 
most likely because you feel uncomfortable with the attention and you, it just feels awkward for you. Okay, I get that. But your walk of faith, your experiences of life, inform and encourage and strengthen me. So I invite you into the sharing of your life with each other. That's uh, 2023, and we want to look forward a little bit. I do want to remark on this subject of death because it is the it is the plague of humanity, right? It's our greatest fear, and and uh, we can't escape it, and we encounter it as one of those things that we wish were different. And I want to say, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, that God wishes it were different too. This, this death phenomena was never his plan. He has been working since humanity's buying in to death. Um... Uh, to rectify and redeem our choices as we have chosen death over life and curses over blessings over and over and over again. And he continues to rescue us. So we're going to talk about that. This idea of death was not God's idea. Here's a poem by, uh, I'm not exactly sure who it's by. It was found in a church uh, churchyard in England. And it's called Gray's Elgy. The boast of heraldry, the pomp of power, and all that beauty and all that wealth air gave, awaits like the inevitable hour, the paths of glory lead but to the grave. Is that for a cheery way to start the new year? Uh, the reality is, is that uh, our pursuit of uh, wealth, our pursuit of power, our pursuit of things, our pursuit of relationships, our pursuit of all that stuff, um, ultimately we lose those or have those if we have set aside our treasures in earth or in heaven. If we have set aside our treasures in earth, we will lose them. If we have set aside those treasures of power and relationship and wealth, if we have set aside those as heavenly endeavors, those all await for us then, set aside for us in heaven. Relationships. The influence of glory and the treasure of, of rewards set aside. So, it's for real. We can't change 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 is going to happen. Some of us say, oh, I just hate change. My best advice to you is to get over that. Uh, take a deep uh, breath, have a sip of coffee, and say to yourself, there, there is going to be change. And those of us that rail against that and fight that, I, I, I think you're in for a lot of disappointment. Because it... it it's better if you just set your mind and say, you know what, there's going to be a fair amount of change and that's going to happen in 2024. I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but there's going to be change. And so if I 
flick that switch in my brain, instead of becoming a, an adversary of everything that's different in my life, I can become the champion of those things that are new in my life. It's a big deal for us in 2024. So not only do, does change never change, but uh, this idea of death doesn't change. And so we need to put it somehow into its proper perspective. We need to have a clear-minded idea that is different than the world's because that's the joy uh, that we sang about just a little bit ago. That's the joy, that's the joy that uh, Stephanie uh, talked about in the, her introduction to her prayer. She kind of said my sermon before, my, before her prayer. Um, that idea that we can look back and we can grieve, and we should. We should acknowledge the disappointments, but then we need to cover, saturate that same disappointment with the hope of Jesus Christ. And we have that privilege as believers and those who have found ourselves in him. So here's a few things we know, just as we said. We know that death was not God's idea. And so when he said, please, 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 don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because when you do, you will die. That's, a, that's pretty clear instructions. Now, I, I think that must have been hard for Adam and Eve, because for some period of time or timelessness, I don't know exactly how it worked in that, in that Garden of Eden. But they didn't experience death. So when you hear that word, you would not have a, a reference point. Uh, it would be like living in a blue world and someone saying, what about the color red? You would go, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I only know blue. So Adam and Eve would have only known life until they chose death. And then their eyes were opened. And they did know the difference between good and evil because then evil existed. And now we too know the curse of evil and the blessing of goodness. But that curse of evil and that curse of death was never God's idea, and he's been working to redeem that throughout human history. It is the story of Scripture. As God redeems humanity and calls to himself a kingdom. So, we know that when he comes again, he will set all things straight, the second advent that we were speaking to. But until then, we will experience the world that we've been experienced. And, and, and to an extent, why, why are we surprised? When, when as a culture in America and in so many parts of the world, when we start to try and eliminate God from our culture, like the great uh, communist effort of uh, the Soviet Union and, and others, where you simply try and go back in history and erase the existence of God. Now it feels like we're trying to do that here in this country to me sometimes. Kind of going through and just kind of whiting out the word God and his influence. And when you take light and life and truth out of a culture, what you will get is darkness and death and lies. 
And why would we be surprised then if our world is increasingly dark and a culture of death and a world of lies? So, hard news, but humanity, you earned it. You earned it by your choices. So, to that point, we know that even in the loss, there is a plan at work. We know that God is using the suffering in our lives and in the lives of others that we love to conform us to the image of His Son. Even the suffering now He has redeemed. Even the hurt and the loss and the disappointment. He's redeemed that. That if we by an attitude of hope and joy, consider it all joy, that when you encounter these various sufferings, because they are for, they can be for your good, you make a great choice. So we recognize that, that there is still a blessed goodness in being conformed into the image of our Son, and frankly, there's few ways to do it except through the, the crucible of suffering. And then we know that we will reap a harvest in that suffering if we do not grow weary, we're told. So we know these things. Those, we know a lot. And those are the things that we look back on a little bit, that we live in. And by our attitude, by our Christ-centeredness, we can transform those sufferings and those losses into something of great hope. And even mysteriously joy. I'm not taken away from the hurt that we feel in this moment, in the loss that we've spoken of in this little church. I'm just saying it's not just loss we are experiencing. There's great hope. So let's uh, take a couple minutes though and put our eyes on 2024 because here we are on the threshold. And there are some things that we regret about our lives, that we can do something about, but sometimes uh, we just don't get after it. So let's, let's take a look at some of those. And um, if you feel confronted or conflicted, um, it's not my fault. If we regret here in 2024 that we do not know the Bible well, then that can start changing tomorrow. So if you have that regret, I wish I, I, wish I knew the Bible better. I just I don't feel very qualified to get involved in ministry. I just, I'm not, I don't know, Bible verses like, I don't know, Dave or somebody else does. I just, I don't, know, I don't really know the Bible. Okay. You can start fixing that tomorrow. If you've regretted that, here's what I wrote. If you're regretting your Bible, if you regret that your Bible knowledge is lacking, quit complaining and wishing it were different. Isn't that mean? Quit, quit complaining and wishing it were different. And take a class at CCU in 2024. Read through the Bible in 2024. Memorize 12 verses, one a month in 2024. Join a Christian book club in 2024. 
If there isn't a Christian book club around you, start one. Maybe go to a women's online Bible study and get involved in that. Wait a minute, there are all kinds of resources. The lament that I carry about wishing that I knew the Bible better, better is a foolish lament. And you and I should uh, get off our dead bu buffs and uh, address it, right? Because these are things that don't have to be this way. We can know the Bible better. If you wish you were a more generous person, let me start with some obvious advice. Start giving. That's a good way to practice generosity. Uh, I haven't done this yet, but I think I will in 2024. I don't usually give any money to the person standing on the corner. I don't know about y'all. I don't usually do that. Once in a while. And uh, mostly I console myself by saying, well, there's better ways to give against that need and hurt. And so I don't give to that person and I don't give to those better ways. So there's something wrong with that story, right? That can't be good. That's not generous. So you, you should all ask me about this in the coming months because I think it's a good idea. So I've been thinking about getting like uh, $55 bills and putting them in my car. And every time I see somebody that's needing, that's standing there looking for a meal or something, I'm a, I, I will have my $5 and I will tell them, God bless you, this is from Jesus Christ. So, uh, I don't do that. But I feel like I could do that in the exercise of generosity. And I'm not really out all that much, right? Not really. It's good practice. If you want to be more generous, I guess practice giving. In fact, you could ask this question too. Have I done all I can do financially to help this church, my church, in her time of need. We are in a time of need. We're in transition. And so it would be appropriate to ask the question, have I done all that I can do to help my church in this time of need financially? We could all go back to our homes today and say, did I do everything I could do? Or did, did I kind of do the minimum? Or did I kind of not even really actually do the minimum? Did I, you know, how did I do in 2023? So to this point, it's December 31st. I probably should have asked that question like two weeks ago <laughs> and given you a chance. Uh, but we, we kind of close out our year uh, three or four days into the year because some people write checks today and send them to us because they, they, ask, they do this work. They go home and they say, man, did we give as generously, hilariously, robustly as we could have? Did I follow the Holy Spirit's lead in this, or did I just write down a number sometime in October 2022, and I did that? Which, of course, is disciplined. So there's a, an opportunity for you to practice generosity, because I wish I was a more generous person. Uh, in case... Those two aren't guilty enough. Let me try a couple more. 
if you wish you were more prayerful. My, my best suggestion is to find someone to pray with. I find it difficult just to sit down and pray hard within myself. But when I pray with Susan, my prayers become spontaneous and robust and, mean, and meaningful and deep. And so find, find someone to pray with and allow yourself to linger then a little bit longer. So I'd like, I'd like to be a more prayerful person. Good. Find someone to pray with. And you can also uh, start a prayer journal. You can say a prayer at the beginning of the day before you roll out of bed and say a prayer at the end of the day just as you get into bed. That will put you on a path of being more prayerful. And if you wish you had more purpose in your life, ah, I just feel like I'm just rudderless. I'm kind of just going through the motions. I don't really know what I'm doing with my Christian life. And, and uh, I don't know about my elementary school campus. I don't know about my high school campus. I, it, it doesn't feel like a mission field to me. It just feels like something I endure. Well, maybe it's time, young people, old people, to look at life differently and to say, well, what does today hold for me? What are, what are my spiritual gifts? If you don't know your spiritual gifts, you could take a spiritual gift inventory and take a look. You can talk to somebody who is a friend of yours, who knows you deeply, and, and you can ask them, hey, what do you think uh, my spiritual gifts are? And then you can say to yourself, how can I live into those giftedness? God gave those to me on purpose for a reason. Wouldn't it be wise that I invest those gifts rather than dig a hole and put them in there? So if we are the recipient, the happy recipients, each of us, of at least a gift, we should identify that gift and live into it. Kind of makes sense. And that will help us with our purpose. And there are so many places where even if it's a, a, a simple interest or, or a, a, I was going to say avocation, we can volunteer accordingly. We can tutor a child. We can volunteer at a homeless center. We can offer to house a refugee. Or we can connect with a refugee service and simply help a refugee find their way around to a grocery store and a post office box and how to get Uber and all the things that are in this world that they have no idea how to manage. We could, we could go do that. There are things uh, we can do. We can deliver meals on wheels. And if your purpose was more introspective, you could write a poem or a song or paint a watercolor or pick up a guitar or a flute or learn a language or help in a classroom. You can make the list too. I mean, if I gave you a three-by-five card, you could write 12 things down in two minutes. Things that I could do, but I'm not doing. I would say pick one. Pick one and begin to experience the joy of a purposeful life. Now, you're making it sound, Dave, like the things that I'm doing now aren't purposeful. I go to work. I go to school. I cook meals. I help the kids get ready for school. I help my uh, aging mom and dad. I write checks to my young children. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm living a purposeful life. You know what? You are. 
Don't let me take away from the everyday stuff of life because the everyday stuff of life is where we spend 90% of our lives. The difference is, is that I can, do, I can do that in the spirit of man or I can do that in the spirit of God. I can live my life moment by moment making a kingdom investment at work, at school, in the relationships that I have if I am doing it with the motive of glorifying Jesus in this. Otherwise, it just becomes one more thing you have to do before you go to bed at night. Life itself can become a kingdom investment into the lives of the people around you. Work, school, community, play. It's all for the giving, not the taking. All right, we need to get done here. One of these things about war and injustice and poverty and illiteracy and human trafficking and, you know, pick a, pick a lament. We get overwhelmed and we say to ourselves, I, I just, I don't think I can make any difference in that. I'm just one human being and I'm overwhelmed by what's happening in Israel and Ukraine and, and pick another environment out of the other 10 uh, crises uh, of war in our globe. We say to ourselves, I don't really know what I can do. It's a story of a little boy, you may have heard it, who he and his dad, the 10-year-old little boy, walking on the beach. And as they walk along the beach, uh, they come to uh, 1,000, 5,000 starfish that have washed onto the shore. And as they walk carefully around these uh, stranded starfish, most all of them uh, destined to die, um, the little boy starts picking them up uh, one at a time and tossing them back into the sea. And the father says to the son, what are you doing? You can't save all of these. And the little boy says, I know, but I can save this one. It's a change in our attitude. Uh, I don't know, back in the 80s or 90s, I'm not sure. They had this think globally, act locally. It's actually pretty good theology. Let's be aware of what the world's going through. Let's pay attention to that. And while I can't change the hurts of the world, because the world will always hurt, I can invest in the life of one hurting person. And in so doing, there'll be one less illiterate. There'll be one less abandoned, one less abused, one less neglected person in the world. So allow God to direct you in that manner here in 2024 to make that kind of difference in a single life. Because we are to be about Jesus Christ and his priorities in the world. All right, we need to wrap up. I'm going to skip all this stuff. 
I'm going to skip right down to, uh, I'm going to go through these points, one, two, three, four. Good luck, Aiden. We're going to go through these points that our lives are generally short. Yeah, look what you've done. Our lives are generally short. Does anybody disagree? It's going by fast, right? I got a couple Bible verses and a George Bernard Shaw quote. You trust me, don't you? Our lives are generally short. Yeah, generally. We live in a tent. We live in a temporary dwelling place. Our lives are short. And we live in a temporary dwelling place. This verse in 2 Corinthians says we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. It's that hope that we have. That this tent indeed is falling away, but death is not the end. Death is not the reincar- death is not reincarnation. Death is not evaporation. Death is not annihilation. Death is a trade up. It's a trade up. Did any of you drive a nineteen seventy seven pacer? Look like that? If you did, I'm so sorry. 1977 Pacer. But imagine. Imagine you still had... Actually, if you still had it, you ought to hang on to it. But um, imagine taking that 1977 Pacer and driving it into the lot and saying, you know what, I want to trade up. I want to buy a 2024 Tesla uh, Model C. I just happen to have $75,000 sitting around and I'd kind of like to buy that car. And so you trade up. Can you imagine driving in with a 1977 Pacer and driving out with that Tesla? You have barely been able to taste the joy of heaven. Because you're about to get rid of that 1977 Pacer and you're going to drive into heaven in His glory. Going to be great. Going to be great. You, you, you aren't going to get a Tesla. For a while we are going to groan. For a while we're going to groan. I cleaned the garage yesterday, I woke up groaning. Because we are breaking down, our tent isn't as good as it used to be. Okay. That's the reality. For a while we groan, but soon and very soon we are going to see the king and there will be no more cancer. No more abuse, no more hatred, no more hurricanes, no more crime, no more sadness, no more night, no more sickness, no more tears, no more death. So much to look forward to in 2024 and beyond. Let's pray. So, Father, indeed, these are troubled times. Our little church has experienced more than her fair share of loss. We pray the comfort of your Holy Spirit upon us as we manage loss and the frailties of life. We pray, Father, that our minds and hearts would be strengthened by your presence and our purposeful abiding in you. 
So we trust you, Father, for the healing needed from 2023 and before and for the hope we anticipate in 2024 and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen.